Yes, coming in hot with episode 62 of the Football Played on Paper podcast. And a big week it's been. Champions League final, trophy's been handed out. Playoff final, done. The biggest game in, and most richest game in English football. Big week of weekly happenings to go through. We've got an opening question, um, and we've got a full panel. Job is here. Yeah, I was on mute. I'm here. I'm a uh, constant professional. Um, yeah, look, no, it's good to be back. What a weekend it was. I'm uh, still coming down from it, but uh, yeah, let's get on with it. Barney, how are you, mate? Good, thanks, Sean. Raring to give some uh, great insights into a great weekend of football. Uh, we'll see about that, mate. We'll see about that. Um, all right. So we're going to crack in to the weekly happenings. Um, so, Jobba, this is your section, mate. So um, crack in. What are the weekly happenings? All right. So this week we've got um, Patrice Evra, Manchester United legend. He is the official shithouser of Manchester United, isn't he, Sam? Yeah. I don't know if you boys caught this video, but it was fantastic. Um, so I don't think I've seen this. So Patrice has a little segment on his Insta where he, he loves these, uh, what, what I'm calling his I love this game videos where he, you know, goes up, <laughs> makes a sort of funny I love this game video, rants about something. Um, and today might have been his best one. He uh, He's in his car. He's got Wonderwall by Oasis blaring in the background and he's sporting a Liam Gallagher wig and sunnies. And then he just proceeds to go on about how uh, Liam was laughing at him when United lost and he said, now it's your turn. Um, this is all in tune to uh, a bit in tune to Wonderwall. And he's saying, I have more trophies in your entire club. And then might wow. be a uh, choker's hand signal in the car. Um, and then Jeez. finish it off nicely with a remix of Wonderwall that mentions, you're going to win the UCL when I'm 90. Uh, so, yeah, this, I thought this was some real classic shithousery from one of the OGs. Barney, is that better than the chicken video he uploaded several years ago? No. All that time that he kicked. Hey, no, you can't go past. You can't <laughs> go past Salmonella. You just can't. <laughs> oh, I, I, his Eric Cantona rendition where he tried to kick the fan in the face was pretty high up there, but this might be number one now. Um, nice and petty too from a yeah. uh, a multi millionaire um, who's won a bunch of Premier League trophies. I like it how he can roll his sleeves up and get petty enough to do that. I, I do enjoy the pettiness as well. To be fair, he's doing it towards a huge, like, musical artist. So I don't think anyone really feels sorry for Liam Gallagher. He's not known as the uh, nicest bloke around town. I don't know. I don't know Liam personally, but um, look, I've, I've seen some of his comments. I've, in the I've past. had some run-ins. Yeah, <laughs> he does. He does. <laughs> All right. So <laughs> next one is um, Sam. So you you also had a big week, Sam. You're saying that Wayne Rooney is going soft. Oh yeah, this was this was hot off the press. So he's um he's not standing as solidly next to his wife uh, Colleen as you think he would mm. after coming out in support yeah. of Jamie Vardy being picked for the England squad, saying that <laughs> this is just his honest football opinion. Now I did say this did for those this. for those of you who aren't quite across this uh, this Rooney v Vardy situation. Basically, Rebecca Vardy is currently suing Colleen Rooney for her ac- apparent accusations that um. She was leaking stories to the Sun from a private WAGS group chat um, with such things as uh, mentioning that Rooney was saying, I'm going to go to Mexico to see what all this gender selection was about uh, and various other stories. Is is Rooney angling for a movie? Trying to get the attention of his partner? <laughs> angling for a move? Where, where? Where would he be moving? I think he's effectively put in a transfer request for his marriage. <laughs> oh, geez. can you do that? He's, he's done that before. He just hasn't asked Colleen. Yeah, he's got over so, 200 goals in the Premier League, mate. He can do whatever he wants. Did you see that yeah, bike against right. Man City? <laughs> It was nice. Uh, not bad off the chin. Um, good to see that um, the Wags beef hasn't drifted over into um, their territory, though. Um, uh, and I probably agree with him. I think Vardy might have been on that plane um, had he not retired. He hasn't scored an open play for how long? We don't need anyone to take the pens in the England team, mate. It's Kane's job. <laughs> Kane's on corners. You can't do everything. Tactical now. So let's move on to uh, actual football chat now, Sam. We're out of your little gossip oh. column. Um, so Zinedine Zidane came out this week and um, he didn't exactly cover himself in glory, did he? No. Did you, did you want me to read the quote? 
from him. Where he, he, he released a two-pager on why he um, decided to leave. Two-pager. So Not his, two one of the quotes just was... Give, uh, just give us the highlights. <laughs> I am going because I feel that the club no longer gives me the trust I need and doesn't offer me the support needed to build something in the mid and long term. Over the past few months... I would have liked my relationship with the club and the president to have been a bit different to that of other managers. So something along the lines there of um, of our old mate at Real Madrid sort of creating a bit of tension between himself and the manager and uh, and not really working and Zidane's had enough. Yeah. Disappointing to see him go like that. I mean, three years yeah, it's, it's, it's crazy. It's not, it's not the way to go out too. Like I wonder if he's regretting like coming back to start with. Like he should have just gone out after doing that and, you know, Mike dropped it as he did um, and not come back. But, yeah, I think come back probably hurt his um, legacy a bit. But, yeah. I, I think if he if, think if great, he, he come back, he came back like he did last year, won the league and then just left straight away, that would have been a real big mic drop. But then he hung on for a year and they didn't win anything this year, which was like the first time in like eight years or something for Madrid. So, um, yeah, not a good season for them. He didn't get a lot of backing, though, to be fair. Yeah. Yeah. Now, comebacks for managers don't ever seem to work out in the long term, do they? I was thinking Kenny Dalglish at Liverpool was a disaster. Um, <laughs> Jose Mourinho at Chelsea was good at the start, and then it was just brutal. Like, it just doesn't work. The impending Maurizio Pochettino one. <laughs> yeah, can't wait. Alex Ferguson. <laughs> <laughs> um, all right, boys, so the next one is quite a big one. I've added this one in. So Karl-Heinz Rummenigge, the outspoken Bayern Munich chairman and legend, is retiring six months earlier than anticipated. And he's going to be taken uh, – his role is going to be taken by a boyhood hero of mine, Oliver Kahn. Have you seen this? No, I haven't seen this. But I think um, Bayern do a really good job of – of like managing um, those executive positions in and out. They've got a nice touch of um, the old guard in there, um, which is good, similar to Ajax. So, yeah, well managed by Bayern, I think. Mm. But yeah, so, why, so why is he decided to leave early? Because um, it, it's quite uh, dignified, to be honest. So he's normally fairly outspoken, but um, he has opted to quit because he didn't want people thinking that there was like two people in charge. He's like, Oliver Kahn's in charge now. I don't want this transition period. Like he's running the show, um, and again, that goes to your point, Sean. Where it's like they're clear on what they're doing. Yeah, it kind of reminds me of like my leadership on the pod a bit. Do you know what I mean? Like, no, I don't. A shambles. Um, <laughs> <laughs> absolute bloody shit show. All right, so let's. I'm gonna grab. I'm gonna grab the reins here and get us back on course. So. Bit of transfer chat this week. So Sergio Aguero, uh, he didn't stay in the dumps long, did he? Got straight in the car overnight and drove to Barcelona. <laughs> I didn't like this one bit. So, yeah, he's obviously lost the Champions League the day before, which um, he come off the bench and played a chunk of minutes. Um, and then, yeah, he's, I don't know. He must have finished the game and flown straight away because – Apparently he drove straight away. Yeah, he's at, he's at the um, – yeah, he's at the new Camp, um, full Barcelona kit – doing the keepy-uppies, um, token keepy-uppies you do when you sign. Yeah, the very next day, like not even a clearing out his locker type thing at, at Man City, nothing. Did you read his day. interview as well? He's like, oh, they're obviously the biggest club in the world. So not only has he like left the Champions League straight away, drove to Barcelona, does the keepy-uppies, he's throwing shade the day after they've lost the Champions League final. Yeah, yeah. I'm not sure this exit um, is – as um, mutual as it's made out to be. I think, yeah, but judging by some of the quotes and stuff that's gone on afterwards, it looks very one-sided that Man City moved him on and he wasn't happy about it. Could this be a bit of a uh, Suarez-esque kind of transfer for Aguero? They stop believing in him, goes to Barcelona, they win the league, he gets a golden boot and he rants at the end of the year about how they didn't have faith in him. No. I think it's just bringing one of Messi's um, <laughs> bringing one of Messi's mates in to try and keep him happy because yep. they're negotiating another deal with uh, Messi at the moment. So. Jobs for the boys. Yeah, yeah very much exactly. so. Exactly. Keep the big boy happy. Speaking of jobs for the boys, the next one is a transfer close to my heart. So former Serie A winner Ashley Young has been linked with a return to boyhood club Watford this summer. What do you make of this, boys? And isn't this good to see? I, I like this. It you know feels um, full circle type stuff. Um, obviously had a great career in the UK and then um, went abroad, did rather well. And, yeah, I think this will bring him full circle and then he'll hang him up. But hell of a career from um, Ashley Young. And, yeah, I really enjoy this move. I think it'll be good for both sides. Yeah, I'm not a massive fan of Ashley Young. So 
I would would have liked him to stay stay out of the Premier League, but look. What don't you like, Sam? Is it the fact that he can play any position? The fact that he's won a bunch of titles? The fact that he's played all those games for his country? Which, which part don't you like? Kept turning up for managers when they needed him. He had a, he had a little biff with Deli Ali and I didn't like him after that. Oh, Deli's gone on to great things since then. Yeah, it <laughs> sounds like you hate Pep then too. <laughs> oh, I thought because, we were going to let we were leaving this out. You um, know, because you know. All right. <laughs> so next one is uh, Mason Greenwood has withdrawn from the England squad, but the other surprising news was Ward Prowse and Jaylings have dropped. So you're right, Sean. Harry is on corners because they just dropped their best set piece taker. <laughs> yeah, I, I didn't know this. So Greenwood withdrew, and why is he withdrew? Do, do we know? Um, injury. injury picked injury. up an injury. Not yeah. No good. I think you could see um, Jaylings getting dropped, um, but Ward Prowse was a bit of a surprise uh, for me. So, um, and there must be more to come, I would imagine. I think there's three to go. Mm. Yeah, I'd be a little bit worried they're not taking Ward Prowse. Like we, all, like we talked about, he offers something different, and like we know there's been some big moments for England on set pieces, i.e., David Beckham. So, you know, late in the game, who knows? Like how he could have helped with a, a certain set piece, but Gareth Gareth's pretty strong in what he does and knows what he's doing. So see all what jokes happens. all jokes aside, like if you're chasing a game and you've got that quality of set piece, like because you know teams will foul you to try and slow the game down, but like it just gives you something different, doesn't it? With Ward Prowse quality free kicks coming into the box in those late sort of doors action. Yeah, but I think it's not as if they're short of that. Do you know what I mean? Like I think. Um, Alexander Arnold can can take stuff. Um, Ben Chilwell can take stuff on on, on one side. Um, you know what I mean? They've got like people to be able to do that. So yeah, yeah but I think Ward Prowse is on like another level from mm. their, those guys. Like in terms of free That's kicks, he's in that Janino class of free kick taker. Yeah, maybe. But I mean, he obviously thinks he's not going to play because um, you, you're probably going to go with Henderson, Rice, um, Bellingham. Foden um, through the middle. So maybe he's just too far down the pecking order just to go for set pieces. Has anyone actually confirmed if Henderson's fit? No, I I think he's backing him to be fit. Okay, because he hasn't played since Feb still. He's been training with him. Okay, we'll see. All right, boys. So look, we're going to shift gears a little bit here. Uh, We're going to go into our opening question, which by now is like a midway question. So look, everyone's been talking about it. Social media has gone absolutely bonkers about um, N'Golo Kante's performance. So I was thinking during the week, what other current global issues could N'Golo Mm. Kante fix? Mm. Sean, I'll go to you first. You know, Kante quite do it well. Yeah, I mean, we took him under our wing at Leicester, made him into the player that he is, and then um, shipped him on for a heap of cash. So um, I would give Kante a bag of uh, vaccines and syringes, Um, and then I would just send him out into the wild. And um, the (laughs) amount of ground he can cover, he could get to jabbing people. Um, I know you're an anti-vaxxer job, but I think this is really best for the world um, that you just get him out, out and about there. Jabbing people with the vaccine, and you know he can cover so much ground in so little time. So yeah, I would have him on. I would have him on the vaccine stuff. Yeah. Right. What, what about you, Sam? So Sean wants to give out the microchips. Ah, oh, vaccines. Um, <laughs> what, what are you giving out? What do you got for Kante? Well, Bill, I um, I reckon that uh, much much along the lines of what Sean mentioned. Funnily enough, we didn't actually talk about this before the pod, but uh, I had that. Uh, yeah. We know the vaccine rollout in Australia has been pretty piss poor. Uh, we're only up to two percent, I think, that are fully fully vaccinated. So I think mm-hmm. if we yeah we just strap a bag to Kante and he just starts delivering them Australia wide, then I mean within a month we could probably get that up to at least ninety five percent. I mean the man covers so much ground. Like how could he not? Yeah. So just for the record, I'm actually vaccinated. Um, so I, I went with a different, like I, I really sat down and I thought hard about this and I was like, what are the biggest risks we've got in the world right now? So we're talking about like overpopulation, uh, artificial intelligence, but then one really hit home was climate change. And just the way that the Amazonians have been torn apart in that Amazon rainforest, I thought no one could cover that perimeter faster than N'Golo Kante. So I think he's the man to solve climate change. Um <laughs> But let's get into the serious stuff, boys. So, obviously, the Champions League final was this week. Manchester City bottled it. Pep, that big brain of his, was absolutely pulsating for 90 minutes, but Chelsea got up 1-0. So, 
Let's have a bit of chat, chat about the game, boys. Where else do we start but the selections from each team? Sean. Man, what's Pep doing, huh? So the streets tell me that um, on Tuesday before the game, Pep said to his staff, this is the team I want to go with. Um, what does everyone think? And they chopped it up and they agreed that that was the team. And Pep said, no matter what, don't let me change my mind. And then apparently Chep, Pep had changed his mind twice more that week um, and changed the team. So, yeah, interestingly um, that the like the overthinking stuff comes out obviously because um, they've lost and I think that's a bit of, you know, retrospective stuff. But, yeah, it looks like he actually did overthink his team. So I think like we can all agree the biggest couple surprises would be the back four was always going to be that back four. But um, no – um, Fernandinho or Rodri um, in the midfield. And the, for that would be the first time in 61 games that neither of those have played um, so, in Sean, a pep team. So that's so probably the most unusual point. Answer me this, team, right? So we know that that was the Manchester yep. City 2020 problem, wasn't it? That lack of cover for the defence and everyone's like, oh, Diaz the hero, Diaz the best player in the world. But really the change was more than just bringing in Diaz. What is Pep thinking going back to... Like he he just went back to his old problem. Yeah, I mean, he for me he had the players, he had the form team, um, he had all the resources. All he had to do was just not go and do something a little bit funky like this and not play a defensive midfield. Gundogan um, did well for in De Bruyne's position when De Bruyne wasn't um, wasn't fit during the year. So, yeah, an unusual one for me. The other one was um, Sterling. So Sterling hasn't started or, or played a, a meaningful game for Man City in, in a long time. He started some of the Premier League games towards the end, but obviously they're, they're dead rubbers um, and hasn't exactly been on the score sheet. And, again, he gets a start um, in there as well. So, yeah, they're probably the two big selections for me that um, are rather unusual. And I know it's easy to say looking back now, um, but I did think it at the time as well that – yeah, both of those selections were rather odd and that proved to be true. So, so there were a couple of reasons I saw um, people talking about why they might, he might have left Fernandinho and uh, Rodri out. So in the semi-final, the FA Cup, um, Fernandinho got torn to shreds by the um, Chelsea midfield and he sort of got pulled out really wide and was caught, um, caught missing in a lot of situations. Um, and then apparently a game... I think it was late last season. Um, Rodri got absolutely rinsed by Chelsea as well. Um, and so people were like, oh, you know, those two last two occasions, they played Chelsea. They're, you know, it, they're, that's probably why he's gone with Gundogan in the middle. But I still think you can look at those two games and go, all right, you know, we got handily beaten in those, but this is what we need to improve. And this is how we set up to stop that happening. Yeah, but I instead, think Fernandinho is yeah. a good enough player to like take the instructions. He's, he's, he's a smart player. He yeah, is he, a really smart player. That's what. That's why I was so confused. Like it's a big game. I think he's in like he's in the top couple of world football for like intelligence and a bloke that in a final, if you want to rely on someone, he is someone I would be like you can rely on Fernandinho. Like yeah, to, to yeah. follow your instructions and do the job for you. Don't go no, for I agree. an unknown. You, you can. You get Sean. Yeah. I was going to say, yeah, the only thing is that, um, you know, he's smart enough to, to work it out. I think I agree with you. I think he can take the instruction and solve a problem. Yeah, you don't go for an unknown prospect in Gundogan in, in the middle there who it's not his natural spot, especially when he's by himself basically in the middle. He's got no one next to him. Like you go with what you know is and that's Fernandinho and Rodri and you pick one of them and you just work on that week. You work on, okay, this is how you got exposed last time. Let's work on how we're not going to have that happen again. I think, yeah, he's just big brain Guardiola and gone for something so weird. And yeah, I think the Sterling the Sterling pick was odd, but it was like you could see what they were trying to do early on, sort of like hammering it into Sterling there and just watching him run it as Pelicueta, trying to expose sort of maybe the weaker point on that side of the Chelsea defense. But I mean, yeah, it didn't like last very long, and they stopped doing it after a while. So. Sort of wasn't fully justified. But I think that I think the other thing to factor in there is like um, I just think that City were never comfortable with the shape that they chose and the players they chose. Like they looked so almost not Man City like. Mm, mm. They didn't look like they, ruthless. 
I look confused. The, the, other, the other theory, the other theory I heard for um, <clears throat> Gundogan starting over, um, yeah, either Rodri or Fernandinho was that Pep thought they were going to have most of the ball, and he's right with that. And he thought that if we had um, Silva, Gundogan, Foden, and De Bruyne in the middle, um, that would be too much for for Kante to to do and, and cover. Oh, no. um, whereas if you, if you if you always had someone sitting, like in theory, that's one less set of legs that he's either running past you. Um, through the through the midfield, so yeah, apparently that was the other talking point. But let's let's move on to the um, Chelsea team. So any odd selections for you, for you guys here? I think the the one there was probably one in the starting lineup. I thought Havertz, like he hadn't he hadn't obviously had a slow start to the season, and he hadn't played um, some of the the bigger Champions League games. Like um, they've sort of adjusted their their front couple um, with uh, either Ziyech or. or um, Kovacic or Pulisic playing in that role and then obviously um, Giroud if he came in as well he, he'd fall out so I think that was a rather unusual one and the other one is Tammy Abraham not even being in the match day squad I didn't even notice Tammy Abraham wasn't in the match day squad um, no I think I, I was pretty comfortable with Havertz starting I think like um, I think he stands a little bit taller under Tuchel like he just he's come on leaps and bounds and I think Tuchel to his credit has backed both him and Werner regardless of the situation. So I wasn't really surprised by that one. Um, everything else was as expected. The reaction when Thiago Silva got injured, I think, also was as expected. So I think that they were pretty much – they did exactly what you thought they would do. And I think in the end that was sort of what got them over the line too. Yeah, I agree with Habits. I think he's like – he's still so young as well. And I think Tuchel's just managing that and knows he doesn't have the experience of some of these other players – um, and that's maybe why he hasn't played as, as many games as what you you would think. But yeah, like someone like Werner, you can see obviously he he works in Tuchel's system and he and he's a bit older and a bit more experienced and he does he does a lot off the ball, which is probably what he wants from him. And so yeah, I didn't see too much too much of a weird choice having habits in there. Um I thought uh, you know, Reese James out in the right was fine, Chilwell as well. And yeah, Tiago Silva I get didn't last too long, but I think he's a big, big um, leader in that change room and on the field. So they sort of had to have him in there. Um, but obviously you could see the effect of having Kante and, and Mendy in the team, which was great for Chelsea. So, Sean. Yeah, but Christensen was starting a bunch of games um, instead of uh, Rudiger. So I think, yeah, as soon as Silver come out, it was just natural for him to step in. Yep. Mm. Yeah. So what did, you, what did you make of the back and forth from the teams and the early pressing, Sean? <laughs> Yeah, well, I thought both those teams started um, a little bit nervous. And to be honest, I thought both teams looked more comfortable without the ball. Um, like one of the things I picked up on early on in the game was the the pressing from um, Chelsea. Like they pressed rather high um, and got at Man City. Um, and then Man City would turn the ball over and then um, – in like say a bad area or in the midfield, but then they'd automatically like counter press and go back at Chelsea and, and win the ball back. So I found that the first half, especially early on, both teams yeah looked more comfortable without the ball and were pressing and then counter pressing, pressing and then counter pressing, which is why I thought I saw the ball turn over so much and and it looked a bit nervy and scrappy early on. Um, do you guys agree with that assumption? Yeah, I, th- I think so. I think it was just a very high energy first, like 25, 30 minutes. You know, like a lot of, there's a lot of young guys in either team who haven't played in many of these sort of big finals yet. And they're probably all really pumped up and raring to go for this big game. And they're putting in a heap of effort, but not necessarily like that uh, quality touch towards the end. Um, yeah. Which so you saw probably, you probably saw a lot in some of the shots they were having, like Werner sort of it's under his foot and he can't get it out and he just muffs it sort of at the keeper. And a few of those early chances were like they lacked the, the, the finishing touch. But yeah, a lot of, a lot of high energy um, from the from the start. Um, but yeah, what did you think, Josh? Um, yeah, no, with you, um, with you both on that one, there was it looked a bit scrappy and it sort of felt like City might sort of pass their way through it eventually, but it just didn't happen. Um, and then all that eventuated into a turnover in midfield and then um, Mason Mount puts a nice ball through and I felt quite strongly, as you know, Sam, at the time about Zinchenko's fundamental flaw here. <laughs> what did you think of this goal? And why is the under-8s coach not yelling out at Zinchenko going, go side? Goal side. <laughs> yeah, I watching this uh watching this live and, and chatting to you at the same time, it was uh it was definitely one of your 
points you were harping on about as soon as that went in, you were just like, what the fuck is Zinchenko doing see, on that it, side? You could see it coming from like the whole time. You're like, what's he doing? <laughs> where, where, where yeah. is, what's his positioning at that point? Yeah. So that move that, that Chelsea sort of did um, to create that goal, they'd actually done that twice just like in that first half before that. Uh, one time the the defence was sort of set up a bit better and they cut it off and then another time like Stones was came really tied up behind Mount and he couldn't turn so the ball got um, recycled back out the other side but this is sort of the third time they tried it and um, getting towards the end of that first half you're getting some sort of tired legs and tired minds coming into it and you could see that from the the Man City back line and it's probably a little bit in the back of their mind as well even if they realise Chelsea have done this twice already they're like oh we know we're going to stop this we're going to defend it but it's uh, probably that little 5% drop-off is what, like, exposed them so much. And you could see that from, like, the, the amount of space that Mount had to turn and then look into. And that, for me, was a really big point, I think, for where someone like a Rodri or a, a um, Fernandinho would have helped massively because he would have been not necessarily there to stop Mount, but he would have been able to read the danger a bit quicker and he probably could have cut that passing lane because, I mean, that passing lane he had was – Huge, easy in hindsight, was, but you know Fernandinho's fouling him there with like a cheap one. Hey, even that works. Whatever works works, right? That's what I mean. It's like it's like those sorts of players are already on today. With Gundogan's, he's, that's not his game. He's not a he's not a defensive midfielder. But that was just one of many many things he sort of could break down in that in that move that really caught City out. I think there was a bit of chat about um, what the stone should have pressed in into that that space at that time. Um, and so I think the coverage I was watching, they were saying that he shouldn't have, but I, I think he should have. No, I think he should have got right up there. him. Yeah, because the last time he yeah, did that, he, he, he stopped the move. So, yeah. yeah. So what, I think that was the right move by Stones, the, but obviously um, Sinchenko should have tracked, tracked his runner much better, but a good run by Werner to take um, Diaz out of the way. Yeah, and I think that's what the Stones sort of, he steps in like he's going to step right up to him and then he hesitates because he probably sees how quickly Mount's, Mount's turned around and and uh, and he can see Walker's already in front of him as well, so he's not going to be able to cover him behind. And he hesitates slightly, and that's just enough for them to expose it. But you can see as well how disjointed the back four were. Like, I mean, Zinchenko at the left is in no man's land behind his player, you know, probably a metre off him. Um, Diaz is like sort of just a few metres inside his own half, marking uh, Werner. Then Stones is up on the halfway line and pressing in towards Mount. And then Kyle Walker's like 10 metres inside the attacking half, like um, pressing up on Chilwell. And when Chilwell just played that quick ball inside first time, it took Walker completely out of the game. Um, and, yeah, that was just yeah, another, another another sort of thing I noticed going back and looking over yeah. that is just how broken they were. What do we think of um, Edison's effort? Um, should he have stayed on his line a bit longer or are you happy that he come out? What do you think? Oh, it's a tough one, isn't it? Yeah. Like that's that's literally on the edge of the 18-yard boxes where Havertz picks it up. Um, he could have gone for the handball if he was brave enough. But uh, I mean, technically it was because he was outside his box and hit his hand. I would have liked to have seen him sent off. Um, but, yeah, no, I, I don't know. It's hard to criticize him there. Like it's a it's a, such a fine margin, yeah. that one. I think, yeah, I think after like how many mistakes were already made up the field, it's hard to blame Edison for even if he did come out a bit early. It's like he's probably – rushed out because he's like shit we're so exposed here and he is pretty quick on his feet but um did you notice that when he actually hit his hand how much that slowed down um Havertz's touch he went to go around him like if you go watch that back it actually his touch actually looks like it may have carried him it may have carried him like right to the byline and probably missed his shot but the Edison touch really slowed it down yeah, it's lucky for Havertz. Yeah, that's a heavy touch for sure. Yeah, but, uh, like one thing that surprised me is this was the last shot on target for the game. Yeah, that's disappointing for a final. Mm. Mm. Very. <laughs> All right, so halftime comes and goes. Um, we go out to the second half and probably the first talking point is uh, the De Bruyne injury. Um, <laughs> so what do we make of that? Looks pretty, <laughs> yeah, it goes face match um, by Rudiger. So are we okay with that? Just checking his run and that's a that's a card and, and we move on or should it be something a bit deeper? No, I think I'm okay with it being a yellow card because I think some people get carried away with the um, with the consequence more than the incident. Yeah. Like I think you get like um, Sun, for example, when he tackled Gomez, like I didn't think that was a red card tackle, but the, the consequence of the tackle was so bad that they sent him off. 
Um, this one, I don't think there was a huge in it. He went to check him. He checked him. He gets a yellow card. Um, the consequences dire for De Bruyne, but I'm I'm happy with the yellow card there. It was a hell of a shot from Rudiger. Yeah, Roberto Martinez was not happy about the incident. Surprisingly, you know, he just lost his best player for Belgium. But he was um he was he was really annoyed that uh, Rudiger had like the incident happened and Rudiger like he clearly hit. Rudiger in the shoulder, but he went down like he was hitting the head also. And he reckoned he was playing at the fact that if he didn't do that, he would have been sent off. Um, but I didn't think it was, yeah, I didn't think it was too bad. He, che- yeah, he checked his run. It's like a card. It's just, yeah, uh, disappointing that it, uh, you know, it's, I think he ended up breaking his cheekbone and his nose um, and that he was forced off for the rest of the game. And just a, just a, another aside there, Kevin De Bruyne, when he cries, um, now I know you were quite critical, Sean, of saying how ugly he looked when he cries. Um, yeah, that, that's right. I did say he looked like a scared ghost when he cries. Um, and I've only seen one man uglier crying, um, and that's yourself, Josh. So, yeah, not a good look for Kevin. Um, but let's hope he's not okay for the Euro. So, um, he's he out, he? No, no, they reckon he'll be fine. We just wear a mask. Wear a mask, yeah. Not if Rudiger's sniffing around, looking to finish the job. Surgical mask or a Rudiger mask? Well, Rudiger, Rudiger could just give him his mask. He's yeah, been working he one all season. That's the least he could do. That's <laughs> the least he could do. I've taken him out. What a dog. Um, but what do we make of um, Man City um, from that point on? So what, that goal comes at 60 um, – the um, injury, sorry, comes at 60-odd minutes. Um, Fernandinho comes on for Bernardo Silva at 64. Um, Werner comes off for um, Chelsea at 66 for Pulisic. Um, and I'm just not sure for me that Man City really chased the game that hard. I think if you won nil down in the Champions League final, I would have liked to have seen a bit more aggression or a bit more risk-taking from Man City, but they just seemed to plod along um, through the rest of the game and, and not really get that aggressive or cause Chelsea too much problems. Do, do you agree it's, with that? It's almost out of sync for Pep's philosophy, but like to do that. Like you need to chase the game, yeah. but he's like, "Oh, make the passes, make the runs. It'll come. We'll get the cut back. Someone will tuck it home." Like they don't really have that that plan Until it doesn't. B. Yeah, yeah. Like they don't have that. Oh, all right, we'll chuck Diaz up front and start lobbing balls into him and see if Tarkovsky can get on the end of one. Do you know what I mean? Like they don't have. They don't really have that because they don't really need it. And then the absence of like an actual striker as well. Like if you've got an Edison Cavani or something sniffing around, like it just adds a bit of. Um, Bit of jeopardy, but they don't really have that. They don't ever need it. Yeah, I think I think you're you're right. It's it's they're not it's they're not like a gritty team that wins at all all costs. They're just like they're used to leading from the front. So when you go behind like that, it's it's um it's not not within them to sort of come back from that. And I think like them seeing Thiago Silva go down like thirty minutes into the first half, they're probably like, oh, we're on here. They've lost like one of their big leaders. And then for them to still go into halftime a goal down, I reckon that put him into a bit of shock. And then seeing De Bruyne get like taken out and he's out for the rest of the game, I think that was really the turning point for them. And there was really no chance they were coming back after that. Um, and yeah, just didn't have the desire to sort of win the game from there. Yeah. It was a bit limp. The, but the game just it? sort of petered. Yeah. yeah. Oh, I agree. I agree. It was limp. And the game just sort of petered out for um, Man City and, and Chelsea sort of for being 1-0 up in a Champions League final um, with everything on the line, considering that context, they did it rather easy and just closed out the game um, for, were, for me. So were they defending that well? Of, like was, were they just doing such a good job of defending that it wasn't happening? But I, I just didn't feel as though – I think the only memorable chance was Phil Foden in the first half and then Mares with like a extremely tough volley. Right yeah, again. and that's the thing. They didn't create too much, did they? So, and and that's why I agree with you. They sort of was like their attempt was rather limp, and and they didn't really get at Chelsea. Um, but let's go to some performances. So, I want I want your worst on ground um, <laughs> and best on ground. But give me your worst on ground and why first, Jobber. Um, so my worst on ground was my um, actual pick for early player of the year, Raheem Sterling. He really struggled yeah, out no there. Good. He had, he had like, he kind of looked like he was up for it at the start. I think he took Azpilicueta on once or twice, and I was like, "Oh, he's on today." Um, and then just nothing. Like the game just passed him by. Yeah. And then my my best on, um, I think I I would go with. Kante. No, well, I'm not asking for best on yet, mate. Oh. We're doing we're, we're doing worst on first, mate. Right. Well, um, well, 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 give me your worst on. 
for me, it was probably Zinchenko. Yeah, I think Zinchenko was he was um, like he's sort of no, he's sort of in that position because he's he's a smarter player than some of their other fullbacks. Like he he's better defensively and he's a smarter guy and he can sort of move into the midfield better. And I think that just wasn't on show at all. Like he was like caught massively out for the goal um, and just exposed a few times. And yeah, very disappointing from him for a guy who's pretty consistent as well. Yeah, I was. I wasn't 100% on him getting selected. I thought Yao Cancelo had a great um, season for Man City and surprised he didn't get that that spot. All right. So for me, I think the, the worst on was probably um, Werner. But, I mean, not that he didn't work hard, not that he didn't make good runs, but just his finishing. I mean, he legitimately could have had a hat-trick and he got the hook at 66 minutes. So, yeah, I think yeah, his finishing really let me down. That's not, right, a, surprise Joel, anymore. That's not a surprise anymore, <laughs> Werner. All right. All right, Job, I know you've already jumped the gun and you've got to you open your big gob already, but um, let's give us your best on ground then and why. Um, yeah, so I'm going to go with N'Golo Kante. Um, I think, like, obviously he was very good. I was tossing up between him and Werner. Also thought Chilwell was very good as well, but I think you'd have to give it to Kante. Like, he just covered every blade of grass and just gave the back four so much protection. And also when he joins in the attacks, like, I felt like Chelsea looked a lot more threatening when he was able to turn it over and, like start those quick counter attacks, like yeah. which is his. No, which, if Frank Lampard, if you're listening, that is his wheelhouse. If you ever get the job again, um, Barney, what you did won. you think? <laughs> I I would probably give best on to uh, Rudiger. I think he had a massive game in defence. I mean, that block he put on that Phil Foden yeah. chance was huge early on, um, and just here yeah, his desire to basically chase down everything and and. Block, block everything he could, uh, especially sort of towards the end of the game. Uh, I think it was a massive game for him. But, yeah, not- notable uh, performance from Chilwell. Barney, I've got a question on that for you. So we talked about how bad Zinchenko was defensively and then you're saying Rudiger was great because he was actually doing things that defenders do. Is this a little victory for those traditional defenders who actually know how to defend? Like yeah, yourself a bit. Yeah, much like yeah, myself. Well, it is because like, you look yeah. at Zinchenko and Zinchenko, is a, he's a midfielder. Like yeah. you can see that in the way he plays. Like he's really good on the ball. He's a great passer. But then when you ask him to defend, he's not very good. And like he gets caught out with like fundamental shit. Whereas his Rudiger's in there, like making challenges, winning headers, like holding the line when he needs to, blocking shots. Like you don't see that enough in like like players that do that aren't rated highly enough, in my opinion. Mm, he's much much like the Ledley Kings of the world. Great defenders. <laughs> All right, you've lost me. <laughs> Sean, who do you think? Who was your best on? Uh, I'll give an honourable mention to um, Havertz. I, I think um, he took his goal rather well, but I also think he looked um, rather dangerous and caused Man City um, a few different problems and, yeah, really grew um, into the game as well. Um, so, yeah, honourable mention for Havertz, but I don't think you can go past Kante. I think, um, yeah, he, he did just so much for um, for Chelsea, um, covered so much ground, broke up a lot of play, and his passing was good. I think if there's one criticism of his game, it would be would have been his passing, but I think he sort of rounded that aspect of his game out. And I think he was immense. He, I think he officially got the the Men of the Match um, award as well, um, so- which is always nice to see his nice little grill. But for me, I think that um, he people bang on about how he's so underrated that therefore he's almost overrated, if that makes sense. I think I think he, I think it is. I think the the hype on social media is like, I feel like it comes from a bunch of people who don't watch him every week, like, and they're just like, oh shit, look at this guy in the Champions League. He's doing everything. Like he does the same thing he does against Burnley, and everyone's like, oh, he didn't really have to do anything, but you know, he did the job. And then you're like, oh wow, what a performance! Yeah. I felt like he was good, and he was probably the best player on the field. But like, I saw a thing this morning saying she get the Ballon d'Or, and I was like, he was awful Jeez. in the first half of the year in attacking mid. Like he was horrible. He looked so lost. Yeah. Um. And I think people just get yeah, carried but he was away. Out of position. Yeah. And like yeah. you know, two weeks ago, people were saying Kevin yeah. De Bruyne is like you know the greatest player ever to play the game, and he has a bad final, and everyone's like, oh, he's a disgrace. Yeah, well, it's a yeah, it's just social final, media, right? isn't it? It's just yeah. that it's yeah. not the it's not the best place in the world. Um, social media, but yeah, I, I agree. I think Kante was doing that for Leicester when they won the title. Um, he did it for France when uh, France won the World Cup. He was huge in in that as well. And, and played his role and played our position early in the year and wasn't great, found himself out of the team and with the hamstring injury as well. So, yeah, I'm not sure Ballon d'Or is the, is the right um, thing for him, but that's just hot at the moment. Um, all right, let's go into some post-match. So, Barney, you've got down here in all capitals, 
um, Tommy Tukes after the after the final whistle. What have you got for me? Well, Tommy Tommy Tukes, I didn't I didn't quite catch uh, catch his his uh, interview after the game, but what I did catch was habits um, and him getting a question from the interview after the game saying, uh, you know, what do you think about your price tag and is that sort of apply pressure to you as a player? And his response was simply, who gives a fuck? We just won the Champions League, which I think is a a perfect response for that question at that time. Read the room, journalist. No, look, so I'm I'm going to jump in here. I really, I enjoyed that so much. It was just like the most honest response ever. Who's thinking about his price tag? But um, do you remember Pep Guardiola a couple of weeks ago was like, oh, English people don't know how to party. So there's an awesome video of Tommy <laughs> Tuchel going into the Chelsea Changers with champagne, like coming around the corner and just spraying everyone. Tommy Tuchel knows how to party. like, And it's just absolute scenes in there. And then he gives like a bunch of like half-drunk interviews where he's like, oh, I don't care about this, um, blah, 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 <laughs> wow, the team is the best. Um, and honestly, it's so good to see. He is just absolutely buzzing, especially after the pain of last year. Um, with PSG, but he was right up for it. Yeah, he definitely right, was. So, so let's go to where to now, right, for each of these teams. So um, where to now for let's do Man City first. I think one thing that um, makes me sort of pose this question to you guys is um, what Rio said after the game. So Rio said that um, when they lost the Manchester United, lost the Champions League final to Barcelona, he went on holiday with his wife and was down and flat. And she's like, oh, what's up with you? And he's like, oh, I just lost the Champions League. The whole year's been a waste. Um, and she had to remind him that, oh, actually, you won the Premier League this year. So you do have something to be, uh, you know, rather proud of. And, and it's still a hell of achievement as far as you did go. Um, so I feel as though that feeling would have sort of run through the whole Man City team. Like they, were, if you look back, they won the League Cup and they won the Premier League at a canter this year this year, but just the Champions League final being the last game of the year, um, it just leaves that bitter taste in your mouth and it must be something that um, sort of runs through their their dressing room. What do you think of that job? So it's funny because it feels like them winning the Carabao Cup and the Premier League was so long ago as well. Um, like that was... Well, they had the Premier League wrapped up like a month ago, wasn't it? Maybe more? Mm, yeah. Um, yeah. And then the Carabao Cup's the same. Um, I... I remember watching that Champions League final too. I mentioned and I got absolutely mugged off. So Rio was right to feel the way that he did. But it does, it sort of oddly feels like it hasn't been a successful year for Manchester City, um, even though it has been a very successful year. And like in this day of austerity, like Pep's got some decisions to make because I think ultimately that's what he's judged on is winning the Champions League. And like he might only get, you know, maybe 200 million in the summer to spend. Like it could be tough for him. Um, it's like one Harry Kane. Yeah, <laughs> one Harry Kane. Like I know, and other managers in the world would like bite their arm off for his bench. So he's sort of out of excuses in a way. Like he's been brought in to win the Champions League, and he hasn't won in ten years. So I, I don't know. He has to. Like they're so good when they're on, but ultimately this is what he's judged on. I mean, he couldn't do it at Bayern, and they had a somewhat of a similar quality squad. Um, and yeah, he won the league a few times, won the cups, but couldn't win the Champions League. And I don't think he's going to go down as an all-time great buying coach. Um, bit different at City with their sort of shorter recent history they've had, um, and sort of recent successes. And he'll definitely go down as one of the greatest coaches of all time. But like, yeah, it's you're right. It's he, he was brought in to win the Champions League, and I mean this year, like especially once they got down to the final four, it was sort of like. Yeah, there's four good teams here, but but no one can see City losing. And the way they finished the season with the Premier League and and you know won the Carabao Cup, and they were just so dominant. And everyone's like, no one's even close to them at the moment. To then go out and lose the Champions League final, like that's yeah, it's it's definitely going to affect them a lot. And I mean, who knows what they're going to? I suppose as the as the manager, like you are ultimately accountable. Like at the end of the day, like you can say he played shit and he played shit, but you're on the hook for the team. Like that's what you're paid to do. I, oh, I just yeah, I don't know. Be the players. Yeah, I just yeah. don't I don't know what they can do. Like they've been so dominant. Like it's not as though you can bring someone in to replace him that would do better. Maybe. Maybe Tuchel. Um <laughs> <laughs> based that's on the big week. signing. But do you know what I mean? Like it's, I don't know. <laughs> if you're Man City's owners, you're like, what do we do? Like we've we've given you like unbelievable amounts of cash and 
like he still hasn't delivered. Yeah. Yeah. They've got some questions to answer. I think they need to probably solve the, the striker mystery. And then I think Pep and his staff probably need to look at themselves in terms of uh, selection and, and, you know, tinkering and over tinkering. Um, but let's think, move on to uh, wait, Chelsea. So next. There, just, just on the simplicity, do you think there's a spot for CM Allardyce and that support staff? Just to simplify the game plan later on. Goes, All right, as I said, we'll move on to Chelsea. <laughs> um, so, what? So, to, to, do Chelsea become title challengers next season? I mean, that they, you—they've proven they can do it in the in the Champions League, and they had a good FA Cup run as well until they got you know battered yeah. by Leicester in the final. Um, but so, do they automatically become um, title challengers? Barney? I think I think based on their form already, Barney. Whoa, I'll cut you off. Sorry, Josh. I, uh, Barney, um, they are they are definitely contenders. They were already contenders based on their form, I think. Yeah, yeah. I'll, I'll take the back. Thanks, Job. Um, yeah, I mean, like if if all they need was a confidence boost, I mean, that'll give it to them. Like they should. They, I I would put them even like above Liverpool now as title challengers. I think it's like City and them who are not far behind City in terms of like challenging for the title next year. Like such a young squad to win something that early on in their careers, like that's going to set you up for a, a long time potentially here. And who knows who they've signed in this like off season, maybe like a centre back to bring some more depth in there, especially with Tiago Silva only getting older. But yeah, I mean, they're set up for some, uh, for a really good future uh, with after that win. And the only way is up really. Nice one. All right. Well, we might move on to the championship playoff final. And as predicted, the Bs are going up 2-0 against Swansea um, to take themselves into the Premier League. Um, thoughts on this one, Job? I know you're a big fan of the uh, um, playoffs. Yeah, I am. And I was really hoping that Arsenal would get like a European adventure and Wales was as far as they were going to get. But it's not going to happen. Um, Brentford Brentford are through. Uh, this this match was really decided by a couple of brain fades, I think. Um, so the first one is the keeper charges out onto former Newcastle United legend Ivan Tony, um, And then he gives the old stutter step Penno. Um, good finish in the end, actually. And then, nice pen, um, nice and calm. Yeah, yeah and three then three steps. Split. It was crazy. He got he got so a good, good whack on it, didn't he, for the three steps? I mean, he's broken the all-time goal-scoring record for the championship in one season, so he's got a bit of confidence about him. <laughs> yeah, he, did you see his volley? Actually, oh, that was unreal. Holy shit, the wow. tech is on that volley. Yeah, that would have been – oh, that was some strike. Um, and it was so smooth, like everything about it was smooth. Um, so he smacked the bar with that one, but that was later on. So And Marcondes got a second with a nice counterattack. Um, Swansea caught short. But then the, the controversial moment of the match, so Barney, I know you felt oh, yeah. quite strongly about this. And I think on first view, this red card looks like a common assault. Like <laughs> – <laughs> it looks like you because you don't you, there's so much context going on that isn't picked up like you see what you see is a bloke like going to the right wing and just <laughs> literally fold the winger from behind like, and it, it looks so bad but then when you see the replay he goes to plan his foot and slips and then can't stop himself and he just absolutely levels him i was i was shook I was shook to the core <laughs> after I saw this. Like, I, I watched it. I first saw it. I was like, holy shit, that, that is that is assault. Like, someone get the cops down here. This is disgusting. And then you watch it and you see he's – the, the uh, Swansea guy sort of looks at the corner of his eye and he sees the Brentford guy cutting across him. So, he goes to take a really fast step and really stamps his foot into the ground. Unfortunately, the Brentford player's leg was there and so catches the back of his leg and then the Brentford player flicks his leg up which in turn flicks up the whole bottom half of the Swansea player. So then it makes it look like he's double-footed him in the back of the leg. It was unbelievable scenes. But, yeah, definitely a red card. Gladly it was only uh, an accident and not intentional. And you could tell because as soon as he did it, he just put his hand straight up and was like, shit, sorry. And then he just about got his head kicked in by the Brentford guys coming over. Yeah, there's like um, a confused melee after that because he knows that he didn't mean it. But, like... At that the point, in guys time, think he did. Yeah, yeah. Everyone's so angry. There's no way you're going to be able to explain it to them. <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. But yeah, um, that just to touch on that second goal though. Like, what is Swansea doing? So caught out, only one nil down in in, tw- in twenty minutes into a final. 
It's, and go. it wasn't even it wasn't even a quarter. It was a throw in. You got to go throw for it. In. The, the reverse Man City. I was throwing the sink at him early on. <laughs> and he caught out in a two v two in the twentieth minute, and then yeah, conceded a second goal. And I mean, yeah, it was pretty much all over at that stage. Manager's um, like, no, thought- don't, don't trust the process. Just go for it, boys. Just absolutely <laughs> go for it. I, I thought Brentford just had um, too much. L- legs for them like they just seem to run over them a lot like not only like through the midfield like i know they played five through the midfield but up top as well they just look like they were just yeah like fitter faster and stronger um brentford look really good well they've got a real identity about the club and the team and i think they all all the players who are playing buy into that because if you don't buy into it you're out right it's not like there's no andre i use in in that team so (laughs) I think like it's like they're all dedicated to the cause and so like that's going to lift them all and make them work harder and then they're also quite a young team. So, yeah, I think that that just all helps them out and, and plays into their hand. Um, but, yeah, great to see them go up. I think it was uh, – they've been in 10 finals in 74 years. It was the longest and worst playoff record ever in the, uh, <laughs> in the championship and they've finally broken it. Yeah. So um, – What's what's le- what's next season look like for them? Straight down, record low points. I think you got to wait and see who they bring in. It, it, yeah, I don't, it is, I don't know if they got the cash. It is a real worry for them because they are known as like a moneyball team, so they're buying low, selling high, and they if they get like some good offers on players coming in, they'll sell them because they need to. Um, so that that is a worry for them, but. I was uh, I was very happy with their coach Thomas Frank's uh, <laughs> reply on the interview after post game where they asked him like you know what 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 do you look at moving forward next season like what sort of transfer he's looking to bring in and he said I just want to get so drunk tonight and then tomorrow we can focus on the EPL so look he's got a good transfer policy in there and I hope it works out well for him. Yeah, have that one, Pep. Hey, that's at a party. Um, I feel sorry for Swansea. Um, yeah, obviously didn't get the chance to go up. They finished the season rather strong. Um, but this is their last year of parachute payments as well. So, um, yeah, they could be in a, a bit of trouble. I'm not sure if we'll see them back there. Uh, oh, Brendan Rodgers' hard work. Gone. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> okay. But, um, but Brentford will actually – they. They got it, moved into it this year, but obviously with restrictions on attendance, no one could stadium. view it. They've got yeah. a brand new, yeah, seven and a half thousand seat stadium, the Brentford Community Stadium, which is, uh, which will, yeah, with the first games their fans will be able to watch in it are actually going to be in the Premier League, which is, yeah, fantastic for them. Oh, another huge. London club, huge. Just what we need. Um, all right, job. Any more for any more? No, all right. Hit us up on the social. So if you want to get in touch, email is footballplayedonpaper at gmail.com. Facebook is footballplayedonpaper. Insta at footballonpaper and Twitter at footballonpods. Barney? Yeah, just one last note. I'd just like to remind everyone that they can direct all their hate for the multi-loss towards Pep Guardiola. He really screwed us over on that one. Um, (laughs) Oh, gee. The the Tinker Man fucked us, so... Oh, <laughs> bit of, of colourful language to finish. I'm going to apologise and say, Jeez. please give us a five star review because this family friendly content generally. No, 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 Pep's doing that. But uh, yeah, listen out for the next one. <laughs> <laughs>